Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hi there, and welcome to The Inevitable. This is our new podcast where we're talking about the future of the car. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves. Where are we going and how will we get there? I'm Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend, joined by... Ted Lowe, and we are going to talk to some amazing guests. We have Reggie Watts, we have Sung Kang, we have James Marsden, we have Spike Fairston, Kristen Lee, Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car crazy folks, people from in and outside the industry. It's going to be great and you can find it on podcastone.com or anywhere you find you listen to your favorite podcast. We're also doing a video series as well. That's on motortrend.com slash the inevitable or on youtube.com slash motortrend. Come join us. Well, Motorator, what do we talk about in this show? Well, we're going to talk about some record numbers coming from the auction companies, Bring a Trailer and Meekum. Uh, we're going to dig into this uh, Noble, a new Noble supercar mm-hmm. that they're coming out with, and one of my most recent purchases. And some hot Chinese food talk. And some hot Chinese food talk. <laughs> First, there's Geico. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there, owning renting you want to save some money how about your bundle bundle your policies at geico geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you got so much to do already go to geico.com get a quote see just how much you could save at geico that is geico.com today that's geico.com Get it on. Got to get on. No choice, baby. Got a mandate. Get it on. And welcome to CarCast. I'm Adam Carolla. That's the moderator, Matt DeAndrea over there. Man. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well now. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing, doing great. Yes. Busy. Mm-hmm. Things have been busy. But uh, I got... Um, I got my uh, my Toyota like forklift stacker delivered to my warehouse, and uh, it's the coolest piece. Uh, as soon as I got it, I started doing things you're not supposed to do, like lift yourself up in the air, and you know, as you as you would expect. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, uh, I oftentimes think about it. A forklift is like one of those things you you don't think you need. Yeah, but when one enters your life, it's it's magical. So mine is, um, instead of a full forklift that you ride on, obviously it takes a lot of space and they can lift a lot of weight, is mine's kind of like a pallet jack, mm-hmm. but it, it's a pallet jack that lifts 10 feet in the air and mm-hmm. it's powered. So you push it around and uh, and it's all moves under power, but uh, it's a brand new Toyota unit and it's... It beeps a lot. Makes a lot of noise. Got Everything flashing lights. Everything beeps. <laughs> it's got lots of flashing lights. I uh, <laughs> I believe we're heading to a place in the in the near future where a young child, when he steps backwards after brushing his teeth at the sink, we will hear beep. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I think thought that's a reverse camera will go on in his head. <laughs> And somewhere I'll be napping and I'll be like, what the fuck? Uh, Timmy's backing out of the shower. Oh, God damn it. We're there. We're going to have beep belts. We're going to force all kids to wear a belt that has a beeper on it. So when they back up, Jesus, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about 
all of the technology and cars that we're putting in and is it making people lazy, right? You can't, you can't change lanes without, you know, the car beeping or flashing a light or even pulling you back into your lane because you wander up. I get it. It's all safety technology. But even on the way here this morning, one of the things that I've noticed is I get a lot of people these days don't know how to drive a manual transmission. They don't know how to drive stick. But I would argue a lot of people also don't know how to drive behind a car with a manual transmission. What I mean by that is, is I'm sitting in traffic. You, you know, you hit the gas, you jump forward. You're for, driving the Mustang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But every time I push in the clutch and I'm, you know, I'm slowing down and I'm downshifting, you think about my brake light is probably goes on half as much as most every other car. Mm-hmm. And and we're just so trained to look at the brake lights and not look at the car in front of you. You just mm-hmm. see the lights. You know, when you when you take driving courses, they tell you to kind of look ahead of the car in front of you, look mm-hmm. through their glass to the car in front of you, mm-hmm. look at their brake lights. Right. So what I find is I coast to the car in front of me, or if we're stopped in traffic, my foot's off the brake because I've got a manual. I don't need to, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Cars behind me, don't see they don't understand that i'm not moving and then they come up behind me and then they jam on the brakes because they didn't see the they see i'm not moving and then they give me a look like what are you doing i'm like i i'm just driving i'm just driving a manual transmission kicking it old school man i i just can't understand like it just never occurred to me that driving behind somebody in a car that's manual Mm mm-hmm is off-putting to 90% of everyone on the 405. <laughs> yeah. You used to have to give people a little berth because if they were on a hill or something, they yeah. were going to drift back three feet well, before these, they caught they, the And these collapse. cars don't do that now. They have an electric brake. So when I, when I go uh, up on a hill, you know, I put my foot on the brake, stop the car, and then when I let off and I push in the clutch and let off the brake, it holds the car there. Have you and, done launch control on it yet? I haven't done the launch control on it yet. What do you think the R's are? So on a launch on, control. On this car, it's also adjustable. Uh-huh. Um, so it has like a rev limiter and like a two-step. So like if you were drag racing and you put slicks on it, you can get more RPMs out of it. Um, well, a more RPMs out of the launch. Yeah. Yeah. So right. you can adjust it. If it's bogging, you, you can turn it up. If it's, you'd have stickier tires. Yeah. Right. So I, I think... Probably the default setting. I haven't played with it. I'm going to guess it's probably around 1,800, 1,900 RPM. Yeah, it seems low, but just means you're making good torque, good power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, but if I heated the tires first and if I was on a prep track, I can probably go 2,200, maybe Mm 2,100, somewhere around there. Those, Those RPMs also... I think that's what we recalled when we were doing the GT500 launch at the drag strip in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that car with the supercharger makes a lot of torque. Very easy to spin the tires. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we played around with like an 18, 19, 2000 RPM launches with that car. Um, all right. What's going on in the uh, car world? Well, big auction. Big, big auction. Big Meekum I mean, auction. Uh, Meekum just... Uh, just wrapped uh, one of their auctions, and they set a world record for an auction: two hundred and seventeen million dollars in total sales from uh, from the cars and the memorabilia. 
The previous record was 176 million, also held by Meekum. Well, I mean, to be fair to Gooding and RM, Meekum takes place over 17 days. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? This These was, other guys uh, do one weekend. Yeah. These guys go 11 days or something, something crazy. Now, this is what's interesting as well is we talked about some of these car auctions having a bit of a niche, you know, muscle cars or, or the high end, you know, the, the pre-war cars, things like that. You, you would never really see a lot of cars at Meekum or Barrett that you would see at RM or Gooding. But now right. it's really starting to blend. So Meekum's top 10 sales, uh, number 10, Mercedes uh, SL Roadster, right? Yeah, well – just to jump in, and we'll probably circle back to bring a trailer and just computers in general. Anyone who has a phone and has, you know, 1.3 million bucks laying around in the sofa knows exactly what one of those roadsters is worth mm-hmm. and, and or Goldwing and or Daytona and or Ford GT, new or old model meaning you know 0506 or 2019 whatever you know exactly what those cars are worth so you know they used to kind of have this model which is like well you couldn't sell a gullwing at Meekum. well you could if it was 10 bucks cheaper than you could get it at gooding yeah yeah if you're in if you're in the market for a gullwing there shall be one and it'll be it'll be determined yeah. of, of the price and and actually, I won't go through the whole top 10, but to your point, number 10 was the Roadster, and number four on the list was the Gullwing. Right. Uh, by the way, the Roadster, $1.375 million. The Gullwing, $2.64. Yeah, those cars. So finally, the, the Roadster and the Gullwings have, I don't want to say flatline, they've gone up 3%. Two percent, like every mm-hmm. year for the last ten years or whatever they've been, but they're they're generally they're like a bellwether car. Yeah, like you can tell where the market is. How's it doing? Well, how how's a is is a Goldwing under a million bucks or is it over a million bucks? Like I'll tell you how the market is generally doing. The problem with the Goldwing, like we talked about before, there's a handful of like aluminum bodied ones yeah, out yeah. there or something, and sometimes when they're special. You can't compare them to a, you know, there's a couple of gold wings on bring a trailer right now. Oh, no, there's a, a gold wing and a roadster or whatever. And the gold wings at like one, three, one, five or something. And it'll go for one, four, 30 or something. Yeah. You know, this one at two, six, I don't think it's the market. I think the two, sixer had something about it. Right. Yeah. I, I don't have the descriptions. I just have the list, so we'd have to dig into that a little was bit. Was the Ken Miles car the top seller? It was the t- top seller. But, um, oh, by the way, Pagani Waira, which wouldn't normally see at Meekum, did very well at Meekum. One, uh, 2.1 and change, almost mm-hmm. uh, over $2 million. Um, <laughs> your Glacier National Park tour bus. One point four three million. That was number uh, eight on the list. I was just looking at that thing because it was like three fifty to five fifty. Yeah, and you rarely go million over the yeah. estimate. So the top four was the Gullwing number four, Ferrari F forty number three, a McLaren Speedtail mm-hmm. number two, 
And the Ken Miles GT350R prototype, number one, 3750000 I don't think you have your VIG application turned on. This is yeah, this is just an article that was written. So I think they were maybe they were just doing hammer prices. Yeah, because okay. that – and, and by the way – I don't know. I, I sort of get it, but I don't know why are we just doing hammer prices in this modern world where there's ten or twelve percent tacked on. That's yeah. the price of the car is what somebody pays for the car. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't really matter. So if we're at what four point one million or something. It's on like four point one two five or something. Um, but well, again, I, if, if if the vig is one percent or it's fifty percent, that's the price. Tack it on. Uh, anyway, so it went over four. Yeah, over four million. I mean, the McLaren Speedtail, by the way, that was a cool car. RM had one. Uh, I went to their place and one of their events and saw it in person. And McLaren's not really known for, for you know, having a, a huge resale value. Even, uh, you know, the Senna would, would, wasn't doing real well in the past couple of years. I mean, it's sticker price, you know, roughly that. But $3.3 million, as you said, you know, it's more like $3.7 million. Right. You know, that's it's good. That's big money for that car. Ferrari F40, again, this is Hammer, 2.75. Right. So we're yeah. into three or yeah. close to th- three. Uh, there, was a, there was a Shelby 427 on the list at 1.4. So it was 1.8. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Oh, not 1.8, but. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a one, one six. Yeah. Yeah, um, six. Yeah, four twenty-seven Cobra. You know, pulling over a million and a half. Bucks. Yeah, the uh, the Ken Miles three fifty R. Interesting. I've always liked the R's. I've always kind of said they're undervalued. This one's got a special story, a lot of history. It was the mule car, the first car, the whatever. But it's uh, it's a Mustang that went over four million bucks. Yeah, the you know? flying Mustang is what they nicknamed it. Yeah, so the uh, Mustang. It's good. Good for, for the vintage so, world. Yeah. Then we get into Bring a Trailer. So Bring a Trailer just set a record for the most expensive Porsche sold online, I believe, and the most expensive car sold online. They sold, um, I think it was a Carrera GT, sold for $1.9 million on Bring a Trailer. So they set some records there, but even more interesting is in 2021, Bring a Trailer's total sales, $828.7 million worth of cars. That's a 108% gain over 2020. They did $398 million. They basically did $400 million in 2020, $800 $29 million uh, this past year. Well, you know, chalk some of that up to COVID, but mm-hmm. also... And limited cars. You can't get new cars. There's massive markups. There's supply chain issues. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of expensive... I mean, there's... Well, first off, they made their way into the expensive car world, which I always said they should. I, I, I always balked at the notion of, well, no one's going to spend $2 bucks on bring a trailer. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, if they think they can save fifty grand over RM, then yeah. they'll do it. I, I don't, so, I don't get why they, why they wouldn't. It never. I think people were sort of, you know what, you know what the car people were doing. They were kind of treating it like a restaurant. 
You know what I mean? And so they were saying, I don't care how good the filet mignon steak would be at Arby's. Uh, no one's going to pay 50 bucks at Arby's. And that's, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But this isn't that. This is, this is something different. And also, Bring a Trailer has this component to it, which is all the car guys, including myself, get up eh, three to five days a week and just check and see what's popped up. Yeah. And when you're doing the auctions... You know, it's like you got Amelia Island coming up in March, right? Uh, once the, aux- the auction sites, RM Gooding, whomever, they'll kind of lock off their roster in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to check every morning to see what has popped up. Right. You, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. And so for the car guys who sort of like the hunt, there's a there's a repetitive notion of you get up in the morning and go, I wonder if anything cool's popped up. Nine times out of ten yeah. it hasn't, but you're still looking for that what you're looking for. You yeah. know what I mean? You yeah. have what you want to see pop up. I have what I want to yeah. see pop up and it's always interesting. I mean every morning you look for that bring a trailer email. And now there's so many other uh uh sites that are popping up that are competitors to bring a trailer and there's a handful of them that are really doing well and they're getting some good cars and they're starting to get some sales. You know, they're, they're, they're getting good numbers for the same reason you're talking about. Like if a goal wing pops up places and enough people know about it, goal wing is a goal wing. You know, if you're within, you know, 50 or a hundred grand of what the market price is, you may be looking all of a sudden now at, at bring a trailer and two other websites at a goal wing roadster and see which one, you know, is going to get you within, you know, 50 to a hundred grand of the price you're willing to spend, which is, you know, everybody's on that same dollar amount. You know, years ago. God, it must have been, jeez, I'm trying to think, before my, maybe before my kids were born, I'm trying to think like 05, mm-hmm. um, I just went on eBay and uh, saw that blue Lamborghini 2 plus 2, 400, and uh, you know, it had 50 digital photos, one of them was you know, in primer on a rotisserie, you know, <laughs> yeah. with the thing. And the guy was in Pennsylvania and I just bought it for 110 grand sight unseen. It was considered foolish back then. Like, yeah. well, won't you fly out to Mechanicsburg and uh, go kick some tires? I'm like, I don't know. I just saw 80 digital pictures of the thing. I've seen pictures with the engine being rebuilt. You know, sometimes I'll put in dyno sheets and stuff like yeah. that. It's like, I don't know. It looks pretty good to me, mm-hmm. and I just I just bought it and then sold it for seven hundred sixty grand or something a few years later. Yeah, but there it was like I was online. It was digital. It was fifteen years ago. Everyone thought it's nuts to spend that kind of money online at the time. It's like you spend over a hundred grand some car you've never sat in. But I was like, and when it showed up, it looked exactly like it looked in the pictures. Yeah. And that was that. That's it. And that's probably in my mind when I was like, I, you know, I don't know why bring a trailer is just selling Celicas and uh, Forerunners. Like, why aren't they selling Lambos? Yeah. I'm sure, you know, there's always a handful of, you know, con men that are out there that are trying to pull one over or just try to hide some of the flaws. But now we're kind of getting more into, you know, when we look at the listings on like bring a trailer and stuff, uh, more people are being good about being forthcoming with the with the flaws and 
getting it out there, and then people go, okay, I get it. Now everything else is good. Yeah, you see pictures of a ding on the door. Right, because for everybody who's legit, they don't want to go through the hassle of, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you do that? They're like, this is the car. This is what it is. I got a little ding here. I got a little this there. That's it. That's what it is. So when you buy it, don't ever call me again. Super transparent, (laughs) forthcoming. Yeah, just, just make it an easy... Easy thing because and and you're always going to feel better going. Oh, you know what? He told me about the ding. I knew about the ding. I bought it. Got a fair price for it. And now I get to decide: do I get to fix the ding? Do I leave the ding? But either way, I'm not surprised by it. Like I right. get it. You know. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of. I mean, like like I said, you know, bring a trailer. I don't know if they put a cap, but. Sometimes I'll scroll through like 45 pictures and then they'll do the additional 180 if you want to click on this thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's vids of the guy going down the street, throwing some revs or in, you know, if it's a race car, in car footage of him at uh, Sonoma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know what more information you need. Now, it doesn't mean you can't buy a car and have the water pump go bad two days after you buy it or, or whatever seems to magically happen yeah, after you, yeah, you know, right. like when you move into a condo and the, in the washing machine goes bust, like in the first week, like, I don't know how cosmically this times yeah. out, but I've had a lot of that with batteries and like water pumps and stuff, but that is what it is. I yeah. mean, if you went and personally examine the car, you wouldn't be able to see the water pump's going to go out three days after you buy it. And and it was really about, I think it's really about an orientation, education, and accumation. <laughs> I think I just made that word up. <laughs> uh, of, of, the, of the buyer. So it's like, but that's how, that's how we work. Yeah. Acclimation. The word is acclimation. The point is, is <laughs> I've, I've lived in this town, you know, a long time. I've done this business for a long time. And there were, the time was you're living in La Cunada, You got to head down to Fox to have a meeting on some fucking TV show that's right. never going to see the light of yeah, day. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, why don't we just get on the phone? You know, and they'd be like, yeah, you got to go in. And it's like, Why? Yeah, and like, yeah, because you have to, and it's like, all right. And now in the last ten minutes, like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll just do it over Zoom. Yeah, just do it over Zoom. Uh, so, so basically, what happened in this town with pitch meetings and business meetings is essentially what has happened with bring a trailer and selling automobiles and online auctions in, in that last 10 minutes too. People are like, I don't have to go to Scottsdale and get a paddle. No, it's Gooding's running an online, whatever. It's like, okay. Yeah. That's where we're at. I actually, Gooding is doing one of their geared online in Scottsdale. They're not having a live event. I, um, I don't even have the full list of companies that are doing the live event, but it wasn't that long ago, maybe a year ago, less than a year ago. We sat here in the studio with the Gooding guys and, you know, we were a year into the pandemic and now we're in year two and they were saying, Hey, our auctions are online. We knew we were going to do it anyway. And, and at the time, yes, they had customers going, uh, I just spent a million dollars online. I wasn't even at the event. Like I just did it over the phone with you guys, and they and uh, they're like, I don't know. It's just weird. We never thought we'd sell a car for a million bucks online. We never thought we would just do it without a live event. And then turns out, even the customers that were kind of shocked to do the transaction, <coughs> excuse me, 
they ended up being happy with it and then got real comfortable with it real fast. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, they've always had phone bidders. They're not in the room. Now they have a li- liaison that is in the room. But Yeah, that's the thing. There's usually a guy. But the, he's just some dude. With a phone. Well, oftentimes, you know, you would send somebody, like the big spender would send somebody. Gary Bobiloff, go down there, kick some tires. Yeah, and there's definitely... There's there's definitely some wisdom in that, Mm -hmm. no no doubt about it. But times have changed. And uh, like I said, a lot of it, it's always my parsley by the side of the plate thing. You know, for 80 years, you got a sprig of parsley with your eggs at any diner in the world, and... For 30 years, people just looked at the parsley and went, what's that there doing there? And then <laughs> the folks that put the parsley there just went, well, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. It is, because it is. Yeah. Because it was before. Yeah. And then at some point, they got rid of the parsley. Now there's no parsley anywhere. Nobody cares. And nobody cares. And that's exactly what's going on with buying cars I bet cars nobody's online. ever said, where's my parsley on the omelet? There had to be one <laughs> veteran you know, some Korean War veteran, <laughs> like in 1987, when they started pulling back on the parsley that yeah. wanted his fucking parsley. Did he go nuts, shoot up the place? What's going no, on? I, but I, I hate know. change. I guarantee when he got his parsley, it was the passive-aggressive handful of parsley, <laughs> like they do with the ketchup uh, packets. Oh, shut it down. It was like when your kid smokes, you're like, you smoke the whole pack right now. No, it's <laughs> All more, at once. No, it's more like when you're McDonald's and you go, oh, can yeah. I have a second pack of ketchup for the fries? Mm-hmm. And they pull out the box and they, yeah, go, yeah. They, throw them, they throw them all at you and go, <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here. There's your there's <laughs> your Dunkin' sauce. <laughs> That's right. Like I was like, I didn't want a gallon of it. I just yeah. said I want a second one. Yep. Billions of packets unused, by the way. So, really? Yeah. There's 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 data on it now. They're like billions of unused like ketchup packets and Arby sauce packets just end up in the trash in the landfills. They're trying to come up. You know, now they had the pump with the weird squishy cup. Uh-huh. You know, the little like, uh-huh, you know. Yeah. yeah they, they're doing more of that. And Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Those packets, you could probably – divide america it's an age thing you know so my kids are gonna get those packets and the ones they don't use are going in the garbage mm-hmm. but if you're from my generation there's a kitchen drawer there's a kitchen drawer. that's filled with those packets yeah in case there's a power outage that lasts more than a week and you're trapped in your kitchen all you, you got is ketchup li- to live off of kiko man <laughs> soy yeah, right? sauce and, and, and chopsticks that are rubber band together yeah like it, it makes no sense but if you're from my generation you ain't throwing away those packets yeah and my kids will be chucking i i, I don't know what the over under chris you're young do you chuck the packets no wait, i actually they're in a drawer in my kitchen okay but why the drawer and not the fridge you know because like every time i open my fridge there's the weird like little cubby where you're supposed to put a stick of butter and it has like the clear yeah, yeah. plastic hood that's where you stash the the, the I packets didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know you had to refrigerate soy sauce i did i don't know but yeah. no I, but you're your ketchup packets like you don't think like, i well, if they don't oh, hit ketchup, air sure yeah i, I just, but yeah i mean just uh when i buy soy sauce it's not refrigerated so i just never thought to yeah i never really thought about it now ryan you're even younger do you know what a ketchup packet is <laughs> what do you do with the packets Oh, I chuck them. You chuck them, do you? Really? Yeah. You've proved my point. You've made my point splendidly. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, I, I'm from, I would never chuck the packets. Yeah. I would never use the packets. 
I was just never chopped yeah. the pack. I, I definitely got the chopstick, especially the chopstick still wrapped with the napkin and yeah. the rubber band around it, right. like the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Every time you get uh, you know sushi to go, and if you're by yourself, right, they send you two or three of those things. They're all in the drawer. I, I think I use those to stir my coffee. I yeah. think Chris. <laughs> You see, Chris, I think age-wise is on the cusp yeah. Yeah. of throwing it away, but mentally he's a 67-year-old who survived a depression in the Ukraine, you know, and like he's got the mentality, he eats shrimp tails, you know what he I mean? Like, so I would, I would expect you to be an outlier. Yeah, I think I am. But yeah, I would all be- All my friends think I'm weird for it. Is, who's Ooh, older? You, you? Fonda you, Lear's older than you. He's older than me, yeah. Fondalier, we should ask Fondalier whether and he saves the packets. Do you collect the packets from anybody else that you're eating with? No. No. So they throw theirs away. You, well, don't, you don't make a fuss. Yeah, I and mean, then, gosh, I, haven't, I can't remember the last time I had takeout with other people. But Yeah, that's the point of takeout, right? Yeah. Is, is, is you're, you're running through by yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a thought. But definitely you can't throw away the chopsticks. It seems weird. The chopsticks you can't, and you're right. There's the one Kiko man that's in there, and then it's got the napkin and the and the and the things in there. What is uh, what's Fondalier do right now? Hey, what's up? It's Matt. I'm here. Oh, here to tell you in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is actually going to prove your point even further. I throw them out. However, my wife, who's several years older than me, does keep them. She keeps them. Yeah, she will keep them. So- and she's also foreign born right yeah she's not from this land so see i gotta throw so out you prove both your points one I, that chris is basically a 67 year old in a 35 year old body and, <laughs> and <laughs> right well so you have to throw out the foreigners because this is kind of an ugly american trait mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. people that know like you know my hungarian grandfather who fled from the holocaust that guy kept anything that had a lid yeah. He, he had a hard time throwing out a mayonnaise jar because it was glass. It had a metal lid. You could yeah, screw it yeah. on. Like, this got to be worth something. I mean, not. I'm not going to sell it, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> like, yeah. You could put uh, put goulash in here and then freeze it. And then, you know, yeah, right. The, the only way to get rid of it would be if you're going to someone's house and you're bringing something, like something you made, then it's their problem. Right. right. If you brought like the the takeout Tupperware and you brought somebody pancakes or meatballs or something, or yeah, if you made something in the jar, you know, and then like now the jar is yours, it's out of my hands. I just is, gave you homemade jelly, but it's in a mayonnaise jar from three years ago. Like now it's your problem. <laughs> always a little crust at the top. <laughs> what would you say the over under is on the age of the throw out American? Uh yeah, that's a good one. I, 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 it's high, it's late 30s, 38, yeah. 39. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was going to just put it at 40 just to yeah. round it off, but I, I got the 38, 39 as the yeah. Mason Dixon line of the throw stuff out, keep stuff. Yeah. Cause that, that's where Tammy is as well. Like every, every takeout Tupperware thing and, and, and chopsticks, it, it's, it's stacking up. It just keeps stacking up. I just bring them to the shop and use them for nuts and bolts and cleaning parts. <laughs> like, you know, the black one with the, you know, because now they're pretty decent. You know, they're microwavable. They're black yeah. with the clear top and it says microwave. It's like a big rectangle. Yeah. Like those are all pretty good now. Now you can like wash parts and stuff in them. Let me give you guys <laughs> one more Chinese takeout trope. <laughs> and uh, then we'll get back to cars. 
every TV show, movie, I go back to uh, Woody Allen. I, I think it was Crimes and Misdemeanors. Maybe, maybe Annie Hall, whatever. They always had that tableau of Woody Allen. You could picture him on a date. You know, they go, oh, it's raining. Let's just, let's just order some takeout. And, and watch an Ingrid Bergman movie or, or they're like, oh, it's a late night in the writer's room. Like order some takeout, friends, <laughs> apartment kind of thing. And then at some point that cut to the paper container. Yeah. That the, that the wonton came in or that the, the, the Szechuan came in and then the chopsticks and everyone just sort of eating their own thing out of the container. Out of the square I, I, bucket with I, the No flaps. one's done that. Nobody does that. I, you order six things, then you get the plate and you get, I'll have a little pork fried rice yeah. and a little beef and broccoli and a little Emperor Pao's chicken over it. Like, do you just get one container and just sit with chopsticks and eat and... And then how would that work with your wife? Like, oh, no, this is my container. <laughs> but I wanted some beef and broccoli. Well, you should have ordered it. Should've. You got you the gotta, Szechuan chicken. You got to pass the family style when you order when you order Asian food. Right. Yeah, right. But yeah. you know the, the Manhattan apartment, you know, guy sitting. Maybe is there's the lonely tableau, like he's sitting home on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. There's the date night, keep it intimate. We're staying home. There's the late night. Oh, we got to put this script to bed before we, you know, we ordered Chinese. Yeah. I've never seen anyone do that in real life. Yeah. I've only seen it in movies and TV shows and sitcoms. Now there's COVID. Nobody shares. But uh, do they still have the the little square buckets with yeah. the flaps that has like the little metal handle? Okay. The, the <laughs> right? metal handle, because of the microwave, is an utter shit show. Yeah, that never would work. That would never work. So All you'd right. have to, yeah. So there's but, a 100%... This is fabricated by Hollywood, this sitting around with your Chinese food. I always thought it was like a New York thing. I it don't feels know New York-y, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But the shit's filmed in, you know, Studio City. They're just going, this is New York. This they're they're also they thinking like it, you are, you know? Chris. They're going, this is probably what they do yeah. in New York. Right? I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't realize it's a New York thing from L.A. Yeah, uh, someone in Hollywood's going, in New York, I think they do it this way. They must do it this way. Because I've seen it in other movies and we don't do it here, so it has to be in New York. So they can just keep doing it, right? So it's the it's parsley perpetrated. thing. Like it, they, it's like the it's, parsley it, thing. They just keep doing no it. No one's ever done it. Somebody, nobody told them to do say no. I also, have. Sorry, I, yeah. Who, who who eats Chinese food without putting it over a bed of rice? Because then you just have the container with the rice. I, I, I completely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Chinese food by nature is a little over seasoned sometimes, and you step on it with the rice, and that's the perfect part. You make the little bed of rice. Mm-hmm. And then you you scoop the chicken and snow peas or whatever, and it kind of bleeds down a little. And then you get that sort of hot and cold kind of yeah, yeah, sweet dilutes sp- the saltiness. Yeah, right. And, you, yeah, you get yeah. Nobody just sits there, right? Also, to your although point, later Ryan, on when I bring this up to Brian, he will explain <laughs> that last night he ordered a cardboard container yeah. of Chinese food and, and sat alone and ate and it no chopsticks. rice because you're right. Nobody eats like in the movies. Nobody gets the rice. It's always like the noodles where's the or, rice? Uh, nobody gets the rice. They never show him putting the rice into the top of. <laughs> the container yeah this is, this is a travesty this is the biggest lie of my life maybe there's no rice in new york yeah <laughs> it, it, it's a travesty all right all right anyway anyway uh you got a new car i i i did uh you know we talked about it a little bit but 
Uh, you got a new car from 1992. I did. So, mm-hmm. yes, I, I bought another Mustang. It's another Fox Body Mustang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the story, sort of the, the, the short story to it, because we got it into it a little bit this week with, with Goldberg as well, is before Ford made the 93 Cobra, there was a similar car made by the Shelby – Automo- uh, Shelby American Automobile Club. And it was called the SAC, S-A-A-C, uh, MK1, the Mark 1. Uh, they had a Mark 1 and a Mark 2. And they worked with Ford, and Ford threw their performance parts catalog at a GT40 hedge, GT40 intake, five-lug conversion, disc brakes. Five-lug conversion? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I always think of... American is five lug anyway, but I guess that's a Chevy thing. And, and they went to, you know, Ford started with five lugs on the Mustang and then they went s- to a four oh, lugs and then that, went to five lugs yeah, again. That's why I'm confused. I think American and Ford, I think yeah. American and Mustang is five. But anyway, here yeah. we go. Uh, anyway, it was a very, very cool car. And technically, it was, although a Ford Mustang, it, the VIN number was assigned to, the Shelby Car Club, the, the manufacturer that they owned at the time. So it had their window sticker. It was registered as a SAC Mark One. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a Ford. Uh, so anyway, it was kind of cool. But it was expensive at the time. It was $41,000. When the 93 Cobra came out, it was like $22,000. And this was basically the, the tuner guy version of it, although it had a manufacturer VIN. Mm-hmm. And they did the leather on the inside and four-point roll cage. And uh, the plan was to make about 250 of these cars. And they mm-hmm. were only going to be sold to SAC club members, to mm-hmm. SAC members. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the first year were only Wimbledon white with the blue stripes. And then the next year, to, to kind of up the appeal, they did a red version, a black version, and the white version. Um, and a few other couple things, a handful of convertibles and stuff. And I just remember seeing the car in the 90s before we, we even knew what, a, what the Cobra was and going, this is the coolest car. This is the coolest Fox Body Mustang you can buy from a dealer showroom floor. When the '93 Cobra came how, out, how equivalent to a Celine would it be? So, it, I mean, in principle, yes. Yeah, so, pretty similar, actually, very similar. However, Celine, like companies like Celine and Roush and Steeda, they didn't have that manufacturer status yet. Oh, so, they didn't. Right. So they were selling cars with a tuner package on it, a uh-huh. post-title package. Uh-huh. The SAC car was interesting because it was technically registered as a SAC car. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the big difference, and certainly in collectability. It got their own serial numbers and stuff. Um, they wanted to make 250 cars. Then the 93 Cobra was was coming out, all the press around that, and all of a sudden they're like, it's the same thing or similar for half the cost. Uh, so they ended up making 65 of these cars. Mm-hmm. I just found number 50 with 3,600 miles on it and nice. was able to get it. As I was making the deal on this car, two 93 Cobras sold at Meekum. Mm-hmm. Low mile cars. One's like eight hundred and sixty miles. The other one's like two thousand miles or under two thousand miles. They each sold for a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Wow! 
uh, and there's 5,000 of those made. I right. obviously I have cars. I love the, the Cobra. Uh, but you know, these sack cars don't come up often and you've got to wait years, sometimes 20 years to find them. And then also, are you in a place where you're able to, to buy it? Um, and, uh, anyway, just try to make a deal. So the thing I was going to, was going to ask you, ask the listeners, has anybody done the dry ice blasting yet? The dry ice cleaning, like cleaning your engine or cleaning the undercarriage of the car all underneath it. The dry ice looks fantastic. It's, uh, it's not a steam clean, um, and it's not a sand blast. And it just removes all of the like surface rust, grime, grease, dirt, and it just comes out beautifully. I've seen a bunch of like vintage cars, the backs of like Porsches, rear engine low, dirty, greasy. They put on the hazmat suit and they do the super cold dry ice cleaning and it just cleans everything off. It looks like brand new metal when it's done. It doesn't harm the paint or anything. It's a really cool process. It's well, just starting to catch on. Yeah, right? yeah. So everyone knows soda and walnut shells yeah. and sand and stuff like that. Now, I'm thinking dried ice for the mess. Yes. And the. And I know that doesn't seem like everyone's first thought, but you want to get some media, yeah. whatever it is, soda walnut shells and you do a blasting it's a fucking shit show you could luck getting it out of all the nooks and crannies right right right. so i my first impulse is the dried ice it's just water at that point right it's no (laughs) it might not be any better than soda it's just there's nothing to clean up right um i think it's arguably less abrasive but i think the cleaning property of it is the extreme cold you know, like if you basically froze or super cooled grease and oil and then gave it a blast of wind or something, that's probably what breaks it all up. That's probably what's creating, you know, again, I'm not a chemist here, but there's got to be some effect other than a pressure washer, right? This is this is more than a pressure washer. The results seem to be better, but it's not inexpensive. It's like to do an undercarriage, I don't know, a thousand to two thousand bucks to do all huh. of the car. So- the no mess is kind of a residual. And yeah, if you go with a media blast, you're just going to find that in the nooks and the crannies for the next 10 years. Yeah, you, that's, no that's amount it. of pressurized air is going to yeah. get that out of there. Uh, so you don't have the residual mess. You don't have the mess in the nooks and the crannies of the car. You don't have the mess on the ground. Mm-hmm. You have a wet spot. But the cooling is kind of interesting because, yeah, if you were trying to get tar off of your shoe and it was a warm day good luck yeah and sometimes when people try to remove some tar from a carpet or chewing gum from a carpet or something they'll freeze it yeah hit it with the freon whatever and then they can pop it off exactly right interesting i think that's kind of the process so i'm trying to learn more about it trying to find somebody in la that might do it i because obviously the car is low miles and it's in good shape but it was an east coast cars surface rust always on the drive shaft on the rear diff and uh you know and to be able to just go underneath and detail the car out well um, if it had an aluminum rear diff or aluminum rear diff cover 
Maybe it does. It 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 doesn't have ah stamped and diff and, cover and steel. See, yeah, and steel ah, drive shaft. Yeah, see, it's it's still a Mustang. Yeah, steel drive shaft. Yeah. Well, I didn't pay four million dollars for the car. I paid, uh, I paid less than significantly it, it, less than it, what those Cobras. One of those for. nice finned aluminum diff covers. That's <laughs> yeah. always look well. Good. Ford makes plenty. Of, I probably got three of them at at, at home. So it's yeah, that's an easy I'm sure swap. It'll leak, but put <laughs> sure it on anyway. Well, a lot of the newer ones, you know, so you can get you know with with an o-ring or you just put the sil. everybody does the gasket but you just do the silicone bead just do the silicone bead i've got to tell you in my world this the stamp the stamp steel sheet metal it yeah. bugs the shit out of me yeah and one of the things i could never stand seeing is the valve covers out of the stamped yeah and the diff cover out of the stamp yeah i just i just I was like, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, our friend Gail Banks will talk to you for an hour about diff covers because he, <laughs> he he's making diff covers now, but his theory about like all these diff covers that are finned and whatever, and it goes, it's supposed to be cooling effect and stronger. He goes, it's all bullshit. <laughs> and he made like clear diff covers so he can see the fluid in them, mm-hmm. and then he put temperature gauges all over it, and then he created new diff covers that that. Supposed to work. Leave it to Gail Banks to over significantly over engineer a diff cover. <laughs> well, that's why we love him. All right, last story. Noble is adding another car to its lineup. Noble. So the M six hundred, which is it's got like a, a, a big Volvo V eight in it. I think I got to see um, that car. Uh, look at the I, Noble. The, the M six hundred. A kit car, or what do we call it? So I, I mean, I they don't kind, want to be called a kit car. Yeah. But. So it kind of started out that way, kind of like a super performance car. You buy the car, you buy the engine. Somebody's got to mate them together, um, and then the company was sold a while ago. So the M six hundred's been out since like twenty ten, and uh, the small company, eight people, they're British company. Uh and yeah, they they sell these turnkey cars, but somehow they're doing you know whatever they need to do to to not have airbags and ABS brakes. Whether the production run is very small or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they wanted to come out with a a less expensive, more comfortable, more conventional type of sports car. So they came out with the M five hundred. So bring up the M six hundred and then the M five hundred. It's good looking car. It's got some some McLaren MP four twelve C with. Ferrari 488 headlights. When you see the car, let me know if you see that. The engine they're using on the M500 is they're using the 4GT EcoBoost V6, 550 horsepower. Compact. um, Which is a a great engine. And they're saying it's going to be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more shoulder room. Uh, The M600 is a full carbon fiber body. This is a fiberglass body, but with a carbon fiber option. So if you want to spend more money. Mm. Chris, I don't have a signal on the upper set. Maybe that's oh yeah, we, the TV's maybe that's an issue. No signal. Yeah. What do you think the sticker is? So the M six hundred, I think, is uh, still around two seventy five. This is two oh six, around low two hundreds. Uh huh. But I guess if you wanted it and you wanted to add the carbon fiber body to it, you're probably somewhere in the two forty range. It's probably twenty or thirty grand to add the mm-hmm. carbon fiber body to it. Um, but I kind of like the idea of the four GT engine, but. You know, they're a small car. It's kind of like, do you want a Lotus but that's even more special and maybe faster? Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of fits in that realm. But mm-hmm. now that you're you're talking about the low to mid 200 range, it's starting to be a pretty competitive category, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can get, you know, Porsche Turbo, 911 Turbos in that range. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can 
arguably get, you know, entry level, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Aston Martin Vantage is and you know, so it's you know, that that low to mid two hundred range is getting a pretty pretty competitive range. Yeah, we're just getting to the story now. Do you want a story? Do you want to pull up at Cars and Coffee with some other sort of baseline McLaren in orange, or do you want to do something that's a little off the beaten beaten path? You know, yeah, yeah. It's it's got a little McLaren, it's got a little Ferrari in the the front end. Mm-hmm. It it's sort of entering that zone of all cars are shaped on the computer now, and they're all <laughs> yeah. essentially taking on the same form. You yeah, know? it's good looking, though. It's good looking. I, I think it looks a lot better than the M600. Look up the Noble M600, please. Uh-huh. I, I think it looks a lot better. I know the M600's been out for, you know, 10, 12 years now. And um, I, I just I just think it, it's got a little more of a kit car-ish kind of feel to it, a little yeah. bit more of a look to it. Noble goes out and races, too, don't they? Yeah, or they do. somebody else. Yeah. Well, anyway, good. I wonder how many they're going to produce. I don't know. I'm. I'm. They must have to cap it, right? Otherwise, you got to crash test it and do airbags and you yeah. Know, so there's got to be some rule on on what you're doing there. And it may be different in Europe than it is yeah. in the states. All right. I'll be at the Brea Improv February six with Shatner and Dennis Quaid. You can check that out. Spokane, Washington, coming up in February, and Tacoma, eighteenth and nineteenth, and. Uh, Going to uh, going to Waukegan, Illinois, March tenth. You just go down Corolla.com for all the live shows. What do you got, Matt? Uh, I'll post some pictures of the new sack car up on my social media at Motorator, so give me a follow. Yeah, it's a cool piece. So, till next time, Adam Corolla for Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.